Please open your Bibles with me to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 23. We'll be looking there this evening at the first five verses. 2 Samuel chapter 23, and I'll begin reading in verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel, said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning, when the sun riseth even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. In this portion, the Holy Spirit sets forth for us the last words of one of God's elect, a sinner saved by God's grace in Christ. If we but take a moment to consider under the Lord's teaching, we may see once again the triunity of our God, that the true and living God is a triune God. One God in three blessed persons. Throughout the scriptures, it is an undeniable fact revealed in his word that the God we worship in spirit and in truth is one God and that he has made himself known through the triunity of his sacred persons. We adore, love, and worship each sacred person as Jehovah, the God of all grace by whom we must be saved. First look there in verse 1. We read these words. These be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. What we read here of David, being anointed by the God of Jacob, is true of every elect sinner of God in Christ. For we too have been anointed to be kings and priests by the God of Jacob. Our Heavenly Father has everlastingly ordained us to be united to his Son from before the foundation of the world, anointing us to be made in Christ unto God kings and priests. Look there in verse 3. We read here in verse 3 that the God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over men must be just. What is true of David is true of every blood-bought sinner. The rock of Israel, our Lord, the Son of God, convicts us of this very thing, that we must be just. We must be righteous. If we would have the light of the everlasting morning of God's kingdom, and not the eternal night of those who shall be cast out into utter darkness. 
we must be found just. We must be found righteous before him. For King David, the Lord shows him what was expected of him, that he be a just king, a righteous king. But that speaks to all of us, beloved. Whatever the Lord has called us to be, he has called us to be just and to be righteous. Look there in verse 4. He shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. This is the testimony of the God of Israel to his people. Our Heavenly Father, the God of Israel, will teach you and draw you to the rock of Israel, his son, and he will speak to you. How will he speak to you? Look there in verse 2. We see there by the Spirit of the Lord, he will speak not only to King David, but he will speak to you. By the Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. Now this is speaking of the psalmist, King David. But the Lord also speaks to his people by his Spirit. Turn with me to John's Gospel. You can keep your place in 2 Samuel chapter 23. And look there with me in John's Gospel, chapter 15. And look there in verse 26. Speaking of God the Holy Spirit, our Lord declares, When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. This one, the rock of Israel, whom the Father has sent into the world to save sinners, is the only man before him who is righteous, the only one whom, in whom he is well pleased. Look, look again there at the first three verses. This is what David was shown about Christ and his kingdom. In verse 3, I'll read the first three verses again. Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel, said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, He that ruleth over me must be just, ruling in the fear of God. How very blessedly is our triune God set forth for us in this portion. The Holy Spirit traces for us very blessedly how it is that a sinner like you and a sinner like me is saved. In order for a sinner like you and a sinner like me to be saved, first, the God of Jacob, our Heavenly Father, must choose you to be saved. And he does this as it is set forth for our consideration this evening in verse 5, everlastingly by the covenant he has made with you, beloved. Everlastingly. From before there was ever a you or a me or a David in this world, from before the world was formed, our Heavenly Father everlastingly chose whom he will have his Son to save. This is the glory of our triune God. Look with me there in Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, and look there with me in verse 18. 
And he said, this is Moses speaking, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, Jehovah declared to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Speaking of the object of his love, the subjects of his everlasting covenant, our God declares that he will be gracious to whom he will be gracious, and he, he will show mercy on whom he will show mercy. The gospel of the Old Testament is the same as the new. Look with me in Romans chapter 9. Look there with me in verse 16. I'll, I'll, I'll begin reading in verse 11. Verse 11. For the children being not yet born, neither having done anything good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. This election is of our Heavenly Father. He has everlastingly chosen us in the covenant of grace to save us in Christ. Further, to save a sinner like you and a sinner like me, the rock of Israel, our Redeemer, the eternal Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, must put away your sin and justify you. Our Heavenly Father has everlastingly taken away the reason for his wrath and removed it from his people. In sending his Son into the world, the rock of Israel, he has saved them from their sins and has justified each one before him in love. This is our redemption. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, lived a life before our Heavenly Father, ordered in every way to redeem us, to reconcile us to God by his blood and his righteousness. Beloved, in the covenant of grace, our Lord Jesus Christ has done everything for us and is all our salvation. He has redeemed and saved us to God. By the rock of Israel, beloved, Christ Jesus the Lord, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of all our sins. And lastly, to save an evil sinner like you, to save an evil sinner like me, the Spirit of the Lord must speak to us and implant the very Word of God in our soul and have Him abide in us. The Spirit of God must quicken, regenerate, sanctify us to Himself, and seal us until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. This is regeneration. God, the Holy Spirit, must make His sure, effectual, holy call and make it known to a wicked sinner like me and a wicked sinner like you, that all of our salvation, all of our desire is found in Christ, according to the power of our Heavenly Father, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began.
Beloved, I have prayed, if God be pleased, that he would comfort you through our portion this evening and seeing the gospel of our salvation once again set forth in his word, set forth in the triunity of his persons, that the God of Jacob, our heavenly Father, has made an everlasting covenant with his people, that the rock of Israel, our blessed Redeemer, has made it a covenant ordered in all things, so sure and complete that he is all our salvation and that the Spirit of the Lord, our Comforter, has made it a sure covenant, making this gospel, Christ himself, not only all our salvation, but all of our desire. I pray the Lord will be pleased to bless his word once again to both comfort and, if need be, convict his people this evening. We'll be looking at our portion under these three blessed headings that describe the everlasting covenant of grace, the sure mercies of David and all of God's people. The covenant of God's free electing grace in Christ is everlasting, ordered, and sure. Let's turn back to Second Samuel and look there in verse 5. <clears throat> These last words of David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, are contained here in verse 5. He says, Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things, and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. David says, Although my house not be not so with God, this is David's response to what God showed him earlier. His requirement of him as a king, that he ruleth over men, that he must be just, ruling in the fear of God. That is his requirement of you, beloved. That is his requirement of me, that we be just, that we be righteous. What does David say to this? That he must be just, that he must be righteous. He confesses with him, it is not so. David hears the blessed testimony of the rock of Israel, to which King David says, as all of God's elect say with him, no one is just, no, not one. He can say with Paul, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Turn with me to Psalm 14. And I'll read the first three verses there. <clears throat> the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no not one. How did David know this about himself? How did he know this about all men? In love, in the light of the rock of Israel, David and all of God's people are made to know this about themselves. Although my house be not so with God, 
David, of course, had in view his own kingdom and the sins of his own family. He had in view the mess of his own household. Having one son who raped his own half-sister, another who caused a rebellion in his kingdom, and the youngest who tried to usurp his authority. Surely David had this, the depravity, rebellion, and disloyalty of his own house and mind in verse 5. But those words of David here, although my house be not so with God, speak much more than the sins of his own household. They also speak of his own grievous sins before God. In verse 5, we see David's confession that what God required of him, that he be a just king, a righteous king, was not so with him. Look there in verse 3. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me, he that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God, and he shall be as the light of the morning when the sun riseth, even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. What is David beholding here? (laughs) He's beholding our king and our redeemer and his glorious kingdom. And in the light of Christ, the rock of Israel, David and all of God's elect are made to see the beauty of the Son of God. And in that light, and only by that light, we may say with David, all that... God requires of me, I have not performed. Verse 3 is a description of Christ, our King, and His glorious kingdom. David says here in verse 5, Although my house be not so with God, yet He hath made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire. David, speaking here of Christ, all his salvation confesses both his ruin and rejoices in his recovery by Christ through his blood and righteousness. Taking comfort in our covenant God, he beholds the everlasting covenant of the gospel of Christ. What assurance is made known to a sinner through the gospel of God's grace in Christ that in spite of all the outward circumstances of our lives, in spite of all the mess we make, in all the inward evil that ever passes through our thoughts. Beloved, have you ever had this thought? How can I be a believer? How can I be saved and have the thoughts and dreams that I have? David and all of God's elect find the spring of all their comfort and blessed assurance and having it made known to them that this everlasting covenant ordered in all things and sure is the covenant of God's free and sovereign grace in Christ. All of God's people are made to know that all of their salvation depends entirely on our gracious Savior and God who declares, I have sworn and I will perform it that I, that I will keep thy righteous judgments. Let me show you three verses that set forth this blessed teaching. Our Heavenly Father has chosen us in Christ from before the foundation of the world. And although it it has not always been in our experience that God has loved us everlastingly, (laughs) 
it has always and everlastingly been the purpose and grace of God our Father that he loves us and has done so everlastingly. Turn to Acts chapter 13. And look there in verse 44. Acts chapter 13, verse 44. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, believed. Friend, I want you to see the word order here. First of all, notice what it does not say. God's word does not say as many as who believed were ordained to eternal life. No, very blessedly, the elect sinner of God may trace the everlasting covenant here and rejoice in seeing him who has made us to differ. God's word declares as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Never, never forget this, beloved. And oh, how prone we are to do just that. Forget that. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look there in verse 7. Beloved believer, who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou did not receive? Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? By grace we are saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. This was David's comfort, and all of God's people with him who believe on Christ. Listen to the confession David makes again. Although my house be not so with God, is he not saying with our brother Paul and all of God's people with him, all is loss. David sees the personal calamities of his life, the mess of his life lived out in the flesh, but looks to his Redeemer by the Spirit. Turn with me to Psalm 51. Brother James, I don't know if it was a good idea for me to order that Bible because uh, when I get that new Bible and I still take just as long to get to where I want to get to, I won't have this Bible to blame anymore. I'll just start blaming myself. <laughs> Read here in Psalm 51 what our brother David 
another sinner saved by God's undeserved grace writes here. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me truly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free Spirit. Though David says, although my house be not so with God, beholding his sin, ever beholding it, even the sin and evil of his very own reprobate children, and the great and grievous crimes he had wrought against God himself, what a contrast is here between the kingdom of God pictured for us as a blue sky without clouds in verse 3. In contrast, David's kingdom was a kingdom of clouds. From morning to night, how many of his family died in their sins? But in view of this ruin, in view of this loss, who does David look to? (laughs) In the very same breath that David says, although my house be not so with God, he looks to the God of Jacob, and beholds the everlasting covenant that our Heavenly Father made with him. Though our Heavenly Father did not make a covenant with David's children, David rejoiced that our Heavenly Father has made an everlasting covenant with his children. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4. Look there with me in verse 6. Because ye are sons, because ye are daughters, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Beloved, because you are His Son, because you are His daughter, our Heavenly Father has everlastingly determined to send forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Dear Father. Perhaps that doesn't convey the meaning well enough. In Christ, we may in love and reverent respect call our Heavenly Father, Dad. Maybe that's what, not the name you used growing up. <laughs> Daddy. It's not done as some silly name. It is done to convey the intimacy we have with our Heavenly Father through Christ, our Redeemer, who has 
reconciled us to the uttermost. <laughs> David saw this covenant, the covenant of God's free grace in Christ. He saw that it reached into eternity and very blessedly calls it everlasting. And because it is everlasting, it will never change. Those whom the Father has chosen to give to his Son have been everlastingly given to Christ to be redeemed, and they shall be redeemed, beloved. All of them. (laughs) The God of Jacob has everlastingly chosen a people to give to the rock of Israel to be redeemed, which leads us to our next heading, Ordered. Not only is this covenant everlasting, but it is ordered in all things. In the gospel, we see that our God is a holy God, a God of order, and that he will not accept anything that is amiss. The scriptures tell us that he is holy, 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 and that all our righteousnesses are as a filthy, ruined rag. Notice David is not looking to anything of his own doing here. He has already confessed, although it not be so with my house. He is saying, although nothing of my house be in order. And evidently, he has no hope to put it in order, for he adds that God does not cause it to grow. David and all of God's people behold our Savior our surety, our representative before God in covenant engagements has performed all that our Heavenly Father has everlastingly arranged for him to perform for his people in the everlasting covenant of grace. Beloved, we are not saved according to our works, but according to the finished work ordered in every way of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. A work purposed by the grace of of our Heavenly Father in Christ. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. 1. I'll read the last part there, verse... Eight, according to the power of God. Notice the words here. God's word does not read according to the power of man, but beloved, according to the power of God alone. And please notice again the word order. Word order. It's very important as we continue into verse nine. Who hath saved us, God who hath saved us and called us God who hath saved us well when was that the very same verse tells us I like it when it's really easy like that (laughs) it says there in this very very same verse before the world began before there was ever a man in this world before Adam's rebellion and fall in the garden Our Heavenly Father everlastingly determined to save His people. And in time, after His Son came into the world to save His people, His people will be called with a holy calling, not according to our works, 
but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 15. Read this verse uh, again. Look there with me in verse 26. Our Lord teaches us, When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. What will the Spirit of truth reveal to you regarding the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ? The Spirit of truth will reveal to you that Christ has performed all things well, that the covenant engagements that were his to perform on behalf of his people are ordered in every way and pleasing to our Heavenly Father. For he has accomplished by his blood and righteousness through his death upon the cross, he has accomplished a full and complete pardon of sin and a perfect righteousness that lacks nothing. Beloved, he has saved all the people his father gave him to save, and none of those his father willed to be saved shall be lost. Turn with me a few chapters earlier in John to John chapter 6. Look there at verse 37. Our Lord declares, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. According to the will of our Heavenly Father, According to the everlasting covenant, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ performed what was ordered in the covenant, that he should sanctify his people by voluntarily giving of his life as a ransom once and for all on behalf of his people to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Though we don't see it now, beloved, that is what we are in the beloved Son of God, perfect, faultless, and complete in Him. God's only begotten Son has taken away the sins of His people and made them His own, of whom David writes very blessedly, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. No guile. How is it that a sinner like you and a sinner like me now stand before him in love declared not guilty, but rather innocent? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Our Heavenly Father 
hath made him, Christ, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is the view that David has. And beholding our surety, our substitute before our Heavenly Father, David says that Christ is all his salvation. Look there again in verse 5 of Second Samuel, chapter 23. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant, a covenant ordered in all things, and what a blessed word here, sure. For this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. And last, lastly, we'll look at this word, sure. Not only is the covenant everlasting, not only is it ordered in all things, but beloved, this covenant is sure. I trust that we see in the covenant of grace that our Lord has done everything according to this covenant ordered in all things. Everything we need to be saved a sinner is made to see in Christ by God's undeserved grace that all, he is all the salvation of his people. But this will not do for a sinner who must be saved by Christ. It's not enough to see that he is the salvation of his people. For a sinner must be made not only to see that he is the salvation of all his people, but that you, sinner, you must be made to want him to desire him, to be one to be found in his righteousness and not your own. Believer, how is it that you find yourself saying with the sweet psalmist that Christ is all your desire? Turn with me to Second Timothy once again and look there at two blessed words. Second Timothy Chapter 1 and verse 9. God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling. If it were not for these two words, I would have no hope. But how very blessedly does it illustrate the sureness of the everlasting covenant of God's grace in Christ. Our God doesn't try to call you doesn't try to call you to his son <laughs> if you let him no the Holy Spirit irresistibly effectually calls his people a wicked sinner like you and a wicked sinner like me to come to his beloved son to come to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ friend it is a holy calling How is it that Christ is all my salvation and all my desire? God has given me life. He has quickened me by his Holy Spirit and hath made it known to me that my Heavenly Father has given me Jesus and that Jesus is mine and that he is my all and in all. What comfort, what rest when made to have my mind stayed on him who is all my salvation and all my desire. Is there someone here who does not know the blessed comfort, this blessed rest in Christ? 
Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. And look there with me at verse 9. For in him, Christ Jesus our Lord, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. Beloved, Christ has been made to be the hope of all your salvation. Our Lord Jesus Christ is all of our salvation, but he is all so much more. <laughs> our Lord Jesus has made it to, to be our desires to be found in him alone. Friend, if you don't know what that looks like or sounds like, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Here I'll show you the testimony of another sinner who can say with our brother David, Christ is all my salvation and all my desire. Look there in verse 8. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss. Is not this the language of David? Although my house be not so with God. Paul declares, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, verse 9, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. What sweet comfort, what glorious rest under all afflictions, the covenant in Christ's blood and righteousness, the everlasting covenant, a covenant ordered in all things is sure. What a blessed covenant. A covenant that spans from eternity to eternity. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 4. I'll begin reading in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Our heavenly Father, by this everlasting covenant, hath chosen us in him, Christ Jesus our Lord, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The covenant ordered in all things 
brings with it all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, our Redeemer performing all things ordered in it on behalf of his people. Beloved, this covenant is sure. Nothing can break it. It is immutably unchangeable. You would sooner change God than change his covenant. Friend, can you say with our brother, Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things, and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. Beloved, Christ is our comfort, a comfort so complete, a redemption so perfect and so sure. Beloved, all our desires have been so fully answered that a sinner like you and a sinner like me cannot look elsewhere for salvation. We look to him who is all our salvation and all our desire, Christ Jesus the Lord. But what are we to make of this last expression? Although he make it not to grow. To understand this, we may not may we not look to another sinner saved by God's undeserved grace. And I'll just put my notes aside here and maybe shorten this up a little bit. In religion, in man-made religion, they'll teach you that in 19-whatever, you can get saved, and then 10 years will pass, and they'll tell you you'll be more holy 10 years later than you were when you first believed on Christ. That is not the testimony of the Scriptures, beloved. The Apostle Paul, when Christ was first formed in him, the first thing he said was, I'm the least of the apostles. Then the dispensation of time passed, and he grew in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there was growth. Make no mistake about it. There was growth in Paul's life. But in his flesh, he did not see himself becoming more righteous or more holy. He just saw more and more that the work that God has performed, the work that makes him righteous and holy before him, was performed in the flesh of his son alone. He went on to say, uh, sometime later, I'm the least of all saints. And then just before he went to glory, he said these words, a true and faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. When we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we become more and more ashamedly aware that we have nothing to commend ourselves to God. We want to uh, do things that are pleasing to our Heavenly Father. But don't look to what you do, beloved. Look to Christ and what he has done. Paul could well say with David, I don't find myself improving. The Lord make me not to grow. Perhaps your brothers and sisters in Christ might see something in you. <laughs> but I doubt very much if you'll see anything of improvement in yourself. He'll keep his people to ever look to, this, to his son, to look to his finished work. Paul and all God's people can say, with King David, I see more and more that the holiness through which I must be saved was performed not in my flesh, but rather in the flesh of God's Son. 
This is all my salvation and all my desire to be found in him, Christ Jesus, my Lord. Friend, I pray that our Heavenly Father make you to see that this evening. Amen.